Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Fly Purbly with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Yes, this Fly Purbly is probably being listened to after the Flyers Capitals game. So, if the Flyers win the game, continue listening and enjoy. If the Flyers lose the game, stop immediately. No, please don't stop immediately. We need the listens. Oh my god, please. Greg, I think you have something to say to these fine folks. Uh, I do, Stephen. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll explain the situation to everybody. And uh, I want everybody to know that I am sincerely sorry. But on Wednesday, I did the preview for the Flyers-Bruins game. And as a joke, I, I'm first of all, I'm one. People know me as somebody that jokes around uh, every once in a while. And put a tweet out there. Uh, the Bruins have a player named David Pasternak. He's pretty good at hockey. He scored 48 goals last year. Put out a tweet like, David Poster not going to score tonight. And then put in parentheses underneath. He's definitely going to get a hat trick or something like that. And then, sure enough, he got a hat trick. Um, and I'm going to – that's on me. Uh, that's my fault. Uh, and uh, I talked to the team about it. Uh, yeah, and I spent a lot of time – uh, staring off into the distance and thinking about the meaning of life over the last couple of days, and I, I needed to explain to you guys what I was thinking and why I'm sorry. Uh, and this is how I feel about the whole uh, incident. So, uh, to all those whose feelings I heard on Wednesday night, let me start by saying this: uh, as a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed five-year-old, I began my life as a die-hard Flyers fan. Uh, and uh, thanks to Eric Lindros' star appeal and the uniqueness of the game, I was an instant fan. Uh, over the years, I've played and watched in various capacities, ultimately culminating my desire to analyze and report on the team in a professional manner. I was fortunate enough to have been hired by Marcello DeFeo at Flyers <laughs> Faithful, and now ultimately won Stephanie Driver at Broad Street Hockey to continue pursuing my passion. Unfortunately, along the way, I've watched a lot of hockey, which has made me so much smarter and cooler than all of you that sometimes I know exactly what's going to happen ahead of time, which is exactly what happened on Wednesday. I'm not sorry that I absolutely nailed my prediction, but I am sorry that it may have made you feel worse or more insecure about your life or hockey knowledge in general. This is the first and last time I'll be addressing my accurate predictions. You only live once, and I'm not going to spend all of it explaining it to losers how to win. Humbly yours. Craig Forsyth, a.k.a. Dr. Dunks, a.k.a. The Sauce Boss. So that is my <laughs> apology to the fans, and I'm sorry that once again, I just, I know 
a lot about hockey. And I think that's what Wednesday, it just came out on Wednesday. Like, I, I just nailed it. You know, that's what it came down to. Uh, so sorry. Okay. I, well, you know, we accept your apology, yeah. Craig. And I know Thank you, you you conjured David Very Pasternak. Hey, a yeah. man who's never <laughs> scored goals before that game. No, no, no. Never, ever. No. Certainly not something he does. It's it's like the, the, the old jinx thing. It's like, the, folks... <laughs> Is it really a jinx when a prolific goal scorer dunks on your team over and over? It's not. It is not. It is like the previous Boston Bruins game when the Flyers blew it. And stop me if this is a recurring theme. Here's the thing. The Bruins are a goddamn good hockey team. They're a goddamn good hockey team. And it sucks when the Flyers blow leads them. But at the same time, there's a reason. It's because the Bruins are a goddamn good hockey team. Yeah, and they uh, they just play a very difficult style to play against, and also they just find ways to win, which we've seen in three of the games so far with the Flyers. I mean, the one was a 6-1 to win, I'm not including that, but three other times the Flyers have blown third-period leads to the Bruins, including last night. And last night, I really thought, as I was saying to you before, Steve, uh, I really don't think they played poorly last night. It was uh, the goal, the first goal they gave up was... Probably the best line in hockey, just muscling their way to a goal in front. You may want more out of Pro Rolf and Gossifier clearing the crease, but again... Like, that was a greasy goddamn goal, and yeah. as an appreciator of greasy goals, I have to say that was, like, one of the greasiest ones I've seen in a hot minute. I mean, Martian basically crawled out of his sewer hole that he lives in and just did anything he could, much <laughs> in the rat heritage that he has... <laughs> As the yeah. rat he is, he did everything he could, whatever it took, to get that puck in the net and not get captured by the exterminator. And he did it, goddamn it! <laughs> and then, and then the uh, the second goal I th- I thought was more on Elliot. I thought it was all on Elliot. And honestly, I would I would rip Elliot if he was a shooter backup. But like we've been saying, like you said on the forecast this week, and been saying for a season and a half now, he's been called on to come in a lot of spots, and he's been fine. Uh, he had a good in. game. He hasn't really let the too. team down. Yeah, and like this is the one time where he may have let the team down. But again, I I'm not. I mean, it sucks. Uh, it just came against the best team in the division in a spot you really couldn't afford to have a soft goal, and it came right there for Brian Elliott. But besides that, I thought the defense overall, honestly, even I mean Gus had some plays, but besides that, I thought the defense overall at least didn't make any major gaffes or leave or uh, leave uh, Elliott you know hung out the dry. They let up two goals against one of the best teams in yeah. the game. And not the, the prettiest. And the best line in the game. Like, it's pretty, yeah. it's not the prettiest, but, I mean, they did their job, essentially. The offense only scored one goal. And, look, again, the Bruins are a pretty sound defensive team, and Tuka Rask is a very good goalie. But it, you can't really blame your defense and your goaltending if you lose a game 2-1. to one. Yeah. No, you, you really can't. And I, that's why there's been some really frustrating games this year. Even though they've won seven of twelve, uh, it's just the process this hasn't been great. It's a weird fucking season. Winning yeah. season I've ever seen. Like they yeah. started off any other year, if they had a start like this, we would be like, "Man, this team's red hot. They're killing it. I love these Flyers." And we're all miserable. We are miserable yeah, with just... this winning hockey team. <laughs> Every night they give us like one period where it looks like they forget what a puck is or like they just don't collectively play defense for half a game. There's always something each night where you deservedly are like, this team's not quite right. But again, <laughs> that they've boy won seven right. out of 12. Yeah. <laughs> they've won seven out of 12. And I think uh, we, there's some big news today. Um, pull up Charlie's Twitter again, but 
when I was putting the outline together for this podcast, uh, Charlie was at practice and is tweeting that the lines today uh, were JVR Couturier Voracek, Drew Patrick Konechny, Limblom Lawton Farabee, Raffle Hayes, and AK. So, which, by the way, that's a insane fourth line. But the, it looks like Couturier was back and practicing today. And um, according to the Flyers' Twitter account, Coach uh, AV says that Oscar Limbaugh and Carter Hart are good to go tomorrow against the Caps. And uh, Couturier and Philip Myers are considered day-to-day. So the Philip Myers situation is not ideal because he did come back, played three games, both of the Islanders games and the first Bruins game. Flyers went uh, 2-0-1 in that span. And Santa and Myers are 5-5 together. Flyers have 41 shot attempts uh, for 28 shot attempts against. Flyers had 21 shots. Opponents had 16 against. Uh, and then Santa Myers had a 64.71 expected goals for percentage with four goals for and one goal against in 42-37 together in those three games. So Santa Myers is a big ingredient that the team was missed on the blue line for a while. And now he's out again. Uh, but it, it sounds like he came back from his... Uh, the fracture rib too soon. Uh, uh, you don't playing. say. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, we were deal, all but... shocked by how quickly he came back. Yeah. I, I know when the news was announced in, when the news was announced, when we had the discussion in the Slack chat about it, we, you know, I, I think a, a number of us were saying, I really hope he's not coming back too soon because it felt like yeah. it was too soon. And as it turns out, it was too soon. Yeah. And along with that pair, Pro Rock goes had been fine. The last two games haven't had great underlying numbers and uh, going over the pairs from last night Provorov Ghost had a 34.48 shot attempts four percentage so not good at all uh they were on the ice for 17 5 on 5 shots uh four of those shots belonged to the Flyers so the Bruins had 13 5 on 5 shots against them and then a 31.64 expected goals four percentage and one goal against in 15 16 at 5 on 5 so they kind of had a rough night last night but again like I said about the whole defense, there weren't major gaps or major cycles where you, you thought they should have definitely scored. They had chances. Uh, Elliot did make some big stops, but it wasn't like some of the games we've seen where it's just been relentless cycling and pressure from the opponents for a while and Carter Hart's flopping around the crease, making like rebound save after rebound save. Uh, I, I don't, for a ghost lost a territorial battle, but it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't an avalanche of chances. You don't want to live with these numbers. Like, you don't want to always be in the defensive zone. But I don't think last night was as bad as the numbers indicate. And then Sanheim Braun and then Higg and Gustafson actually did fine in terms of driving play. Sanheim Braun posted numbers that look similar to what they had last year. Uh, they were on the ice for six, five, and five shots. The Flyers had five, 74.22 expected goals, four percentage, and 14 19. Uh, no goals either way. And then Hag Gustafson. Uh, above a 50 Corsi 4 percentage, and they had four of the six shots, or, or the Flyers had four of the six shots where they were on the ice together. 66.92 expectables 4 percentage. So, again, the top pair may have gotten uh, kind of their ass kicked in terms of driving play, but the second and third pair did all right. Um, so, again, overall, it just didn't look that's great news as bad as some other games. Yeah. And yeah. So hopefully mean, well, that because yeah. the, the depth has really been the issue, I think, most of the year. And it sucks for the top pair, but. They're also getting the toughest minutes. They're playing the toughest, and especially and in a game where, games. in a game where they're the home team, where the Flyers are the home team, they're getting that second change. They're getting that opportunity to match up how they want to. That's you know, I I don't want to make excuses, but it's they were have they had some tough matchups in that game. But the fact is, if 
if you can get that kind of performance out of uh, Robert Hagen and Eric Gustafson, who you know may have not been great this year, that is definitely a win for the Flyers. Yeah, and I do think Myers being out, like, and this gun's already a big deal, and they're still trying to figure out the top pair. And Provorov Ghost, I don't know is the ideal top pair, but so far it's been passable and a lot better than everything else they've thrown together. I'll take passable. <laughs> yeah, and Myers being out is a big deal because he's right-handed. And also, Sanheim Myers is, to an extent, the pseudo-top pair. Like, it is a, a 1B kind of deal, uh, especially now with Niskanen gone. Because whoever Provorov's going to be, with I don't know if I really feel that much worse about Sanheim Braun logging more minutes or more difficult minutes. Uh, this or Sanheim Myers, Sanheim Braun I am a little concerned about, but Sanheim Braun seemed to be Sanheim seems to be all right carrying Braun at five and five, uh, you know, into the offensive zone and staying there. But Myers being out is it's it's a big deal in defense, and it's we don't know deal. how many games he's going to be out now. And Myers and Katori are still out, so again. I mean, Myers is one of your, your most talented defensemen. He is a, he's your biggest defenseman, right? Like physically. And uh, I think so. Yeah. At least or he's Braun up might, there. Braun or Hag might be up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's we'll true. Get some that's true. Uh, defenseman sizes. Yeah. Keep going though. But he's, <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's bigger. He's mobile. He's, he's kind of mm-hmm. almost the full package right there. He, and he's, and he's got a right-handed shot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he is a tall six, five, uh, six, five, two, 10, uh, Travis Sanheim, six, three, Peg 6-2. And Justin Braun 6-2. So, yeah, it looks like Braun's the second biggest. It's 6-2-205. Damn, I thought he was... I had no idea. Yeah, I did not know he was that much uh, taller than everybody else. I guess I, it makes sense. I actually always underestimate how tall Sanheim is for some reason. It's, yeah, me too. I think it's because he's just skinny. It's skinny and he doesn't... Uh, it's true. He doesn't rock people. Like, if he just lead people out every once in a while, he'd have, like, this Adorov uh, fucking, <laughs> like, appeal where he's just big and can skate and rock oh people. Oh, my God. And I, he's actually good. I just love how guys who can, like, rock guys are often considered, like, the best defensemen. It's like, no, he oh, gets, like, one yeah. giant hit a game, and that's... Mr. And then he gets burned a minute Adorov. later. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty much... Yeah, it's always the worst, like, hearing this. Yeah, so it's pretty much a defense, though. I mean, that's... Uh, and then the other injury news from last night, too, was Limblom. Received a late hit from Connor Clifton. Uh, took a shoulder to his jaw. Such bullshit. I he, and I can't believe that didn't yeah, get a penalty. Did not get a penalty. I don't know. I believe the league might be looking into it. But Limblom should be good to go tomorrow, according to uh, AV. That's some, that is some dirty shit on somebody that, I don't know. I, I feel like a couple guys have tried to rock Oscar Limblom with hits lately. And I do not appreciate that shit. I mean, you're talking about... We're talking about our dear Oski boy, but we're also talking about a guy who just fucking came back from cancer. Yeah. So should we, I think we can segue this into a, a discussion that kind of been talked about on Twitter a little bit and has been talked about since pretty much, I mean, ever since Wayne Simmons left. Um, team toughness, uh, because we had that Limblon play last night. Uh, we had... The decision last Saturday for AV to bench uh, Travis Connecting in favor of Sam Marin. Oh uh, yeah, that, that was decision. After yeah, that was after AV had some kind of comment when the news broke of Marin being moved to forward about uh, not having a certain uh, physicality or certain like elements of the forward uh, core up front. So I think that's what that was about. And then also uh, the Sunday game when Marin was taken out and Patrick or. Uh, Connecting was put back in, 
Patrick got laid out after the play. It looked like a pretty dirty hit. Uh, and then Tzizekas and Cal Clutterbuck decided to uh, kind of fuck around with Limblom in front of the Islanders bench. And then, like we just said, the hit on Limblom from Clifton. And there's been no response from the Flyers. Uh, and again, I am not somebody that's saying they need to go out and get you know, a Riley Cote type or a Ryan Reeves type or whatever. A Wayne Simmons type. Uh, a Wayne Simmons type, yeah. It's the only one I'd be willing little... to go out and get. There is a little bit to, like, just no response at all, though. I mean, I think there is something to, like, these guys getting, like, I, I think it is something that would wear up over time. I don't know what people want to do to address it, though. I don't know who people have in mind to go out there and get. I, I think everybody wants a guy that can police the game but also still contribute at a meaningful level. So, like, they Wayne want Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. That is, I mean, like, we had Wayne Simmons for years, and he checked off that box for a really long time, and then his all-on-ice production fell off a lot. I mean, he's got three goals already this year. I think those are his only points in, like, 11 games, though. I think they're using him on the play power play, numbers too, great. which is... Yeah. I, that's where you have to use Wayne Simmons, frankly, and that's... And I think he's getting, like... When the Flyers had Wayne Simmons yeah. and James Van Riemsdyk, they were really only using one at a time on the power play or only one, you know, on an effective unit, and... Really, you need both the like. That's what those guys do. They're power play specialists, and Wayne Simmons adds the the toughness factor. JVR, yeah. they're finally using properly on the power play this year, and his results have been fantastic. We'll get to him later, but yeah, I I, I can see the argument for the lack of a Wayne Simmons type, and you know, famously, that is what inspired the Broad Street Bullies to be put together in the first place. Was the early Flyers mm-hmm. were being pushed around? Yeah, the Plager brothers beating the shit out of yeah, and. You know, Ed Snyder and, and his crew did not enjoy that. So they said, yeah. let's go kick their asses. And they assembled yeah. one of the most ass-kicking teams of all time. And they are still a legendary team and the reputation the Flyers are known for. And now we've got the Flyers today who, again, I really do not think... I don't... I think the game is moving away from that increasingly every year. And I don't really think you need to waste a roster spot on a guy like that. But at the same time... You don't like seeing your guys get pushed around, and you don't like seeing Oscar Limbaum, who I had just said came back from a just horrific cancer diagnosis last year in treatment. I still cannot believe he's playing hockey, and yeah. guys are picking on that fucking guy, and it is, it's infuriating. You do want to go out and kick somebody's ass. You want to just see somebody fly at them Ronaldo style. That is Zach Ronaldo, for <laughs> those not on the inside of eight-year-old Twitter jokes, and... Yeah. You want to see somebody <laughs> fly in and just, like, kick the shit out of somebody for doing something like that. At the same time, does it really prevent it? Does it really, having that deterrent, does it really keep guys from going for your guys? Because it seems like a lot of these guys are still going to go for it no matter what. It's just, are you yeah. also going after their guys? And I, I don't know, man. It, it's a really tough call in 2021 over whether or not you should spend a roster spot on somebody like this. My inclination is no. And you're talking about a guy who loves a good fight, who loves a big check, as long as it's not a dirty check from Scott Stevens on one of his favorite players of all time. War criminals, yeah. War criminals, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love some good hockey violence. I don't really think you need to spend a roster spot on a violent hockey player, but I could be wrong. I, I don't, I'm not there on the ice. I don't know if that does make a difference 
in the locker room, if that's somebody, you know, if you need Max Talbot to go out there and get his ass kicked and then shush a crowd for some reason that doesn't make sense and somehow your team is inspired to come back, I will never understand that goddamn game. What do you think, Craig? Do you think that the Flyers need to address this issue? They need to get some some size, some violence in there? Okay, so I'm going to go work off the last point just made about Max Talbot. So, like, I don't consider Talbot one of those players, but Talbot was somebody that, He's definitely like not. that situation right there. He did actually actively step up and fight somebody, or at least tried to mix it up. I think there are element. There are players on this team that'd be willing to do that, but they're just kind of not doing that right now. And that this isn't trying to become like a weird argument of like these guys need to like you know nut up here or like man up, but like guys like Konechny or I don't know like Hayes, other guys can like kind of chirp and be the guy that can let our players know, like, don't fuck with our players. But I think, I don't think anybody's arguing that the team could use a big, like, physical presence if they're also going to be a guy that produces. The only problem is, when you look around the league, you already touched on Wilson. I'm watching Canadian centers right now. Josh Anderson was a guy that I've also talked about in that light. Outside of those two guys, there aren't guys that consistently produce really well. And Josh Anderson has consistently consistently produced for longevity over his NHL career. But like there aren't guys that actively uh, chip in in terms of production can actually, you know, drive play, keep the puck in the offensive zone and also be an asshole slash make sure that like other teams won't take liberties. The whole Liberty thing and like, you know, getting taken advantage of, I don't think that that's not a thing. I don't know. Like that's not, I don't think deterrent actually works. Like, I don't think guys are going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was going to kick that guy's ass, but then there's somebody who might hurt me. Like, I don't. Yeah, I I do think there is like. I don't think I there's do a have... Marty McSorley, you know, in the NHL today. Right. I don't think that's a thing anymore. But but I do think having a physical presence in the lineup that can throw his weight around. I, I think it's just another element to add to your offense to create, create offensive pressure, pressure and also like force other teams in the defensive I, like there are times having a physical four checker somebody coming in to lay somebody out will alter what they're going to do with the puck and all that kind of stuff again i'm not gonna I'm lie that's one it. of the first things i acquire for the flyers in uh well, in nhl I gonna... when i when i start a franchise mode in nhl is i get myself like a big physical presence in the top six like somebody that i can yeah. use to to re- really muscle his way in there and uh i i I don't know. I, that's I like having that as well. I do like having a useful, big presence. Somebody who can screen out the goalie. Somebody who can shove some guys around. We've got a guy who's big and can screen out the goalie in Van Riemsdyk, but we don't really. He doesn't. He's not a. He's not a guy who hits. He's not a guy who shoves guys around. That's just not his his yeah. game. Now and but when you get past like Wilson Anderson and like honestly other guys, I was trying to look up guys that have a lot of pims and actually have a lot of points. Like like Ryan Reeves doesn't have a lot of points, but he is known for being a physical presence. Yeah. Like, and like, I wouldn't go out and get somebody like Ryan Reeves, but I'm looking at other guys like, um, I've signed with the names like, or not throwing out the names, but like Evander Kane, Brady Kachuk and Nick Foligno are all guys that I think would fall into that category, but I don't think you're getting slash one, any of those guys. I don't want Evander Kane on this team just cause no, He's got a lot of off-ice uh, issues. Uh, Nick Foligno is somebody who, like, I don't really classify as that policing guy, but I guess he really is. I mean, he does produce, and he is. He does play, like, a prettier-type game or sandpaper-type game. Uh, and Brady Kachuk isn't going anywhere. So I look more guys like guys like, uh, again, watch Canadians again. Corey Perry was out there. Corey Perry is also a guy that you could have put in the bottom six on the wing. 
and could chip in 15 goals and be that guy that plays on the edge and makes the other team, you know, be kind of worried about shitty hits or whatnot. But yeah, I think that's the way you have Man, to go about it is what not an spend asshole. draft capital or like, um, you know, not spend draft capital or a ton of cap space uh, getting somebody like Tom Wilson. You could just get somebody like a Corey Perry that's going to be a free agent. Like they tried to do it last year with Chris Stewart. It's just Chris Stewart is not an NHL player anymore. Like, I guess I get where they were trying to go with the Chris Stewart thing. It's just he is not. He used to be a 20-goal scorer that would beat the shit out of somebody. If he sure. was still that and you had that on the fourth line, okay. But, like, he just wasn't that. He was the role of what I, I, I want I, what I want the Flyers to get away from, what the league is getting away from, from just guys that are on the ice to throw hands, and that's it. Because, right. like, Chris Stewart had, like, one point and, like, seven minutes all his time a night. And that's why you don't see these guys that often anymore. Right. Because, I mean, if you can Market get... Market inefficiency. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get a talented big man, if that's a great thing to get, but it's not really... If if you have a big, slow boxer on ice out there versus mm-hmm. having a Travis Konechny who can have speed and score and just be a very talented overall hockey player, you're going to go with the TK over... Yeah the uh the boxer on ice every time but because there was a time for the boxer on ice that was a hundred percent a thing for a long freaking time in the nhl most of the great goons in this game are not great (laughs) scorers but there have been many great goons over the years for sure and there have been some that have been great scorers but it's it's not usually a, a great combination the caps really lucked out i thought tom wilson was a garbage hockey player and going to be a garbage hockey player but he has evolved into the full package for them as far as that big hockey player can also score goals. Yeah. And I think it is worth pointing out these like Wilson and Anderson situation because they are, and I'm only mentioning those two because those are the two guys that it seems most fans kind of glom to when they, they talk about this like topic. And Wilson is, he was somebody who, when he came into the league, had a lot more cheap shots, had a lot less production and his online numbers weren't great. And he was playing with like a Vetchkin and he was already playing with some of like of the top end guys on the caps. And it was like, okay, I don't know what to be able to see, like sees here. And then he stayed with a Vetchkin and Backstrom or Kuznetsov and has been killing it. But the whole thing is he's pretty much been playing with a Vetchkin on his line for a while now. So Imagine that helps that. with your production a little bit. And then also Josh Anderson was somebody this year who I liked him. I didn't want the Flyers to trade for him and give him the contract that the Canadians did. Like Ber- that Bergeron contract was a pretty ballsy, insane contract to hand out for a guy yeah. that scored one goal and was coming off a shoulder injury uh, last or like shoulder surgery. So everybody wants these guys, but if they don't exist, it's hard to acquire them. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Everybody like, wants every- a unicorn. Yeah, I would like a Shea Weber in his prime, a guy that's going to be able to move, shoot 120 miles per hour, and score you 20 goals while clearing the crease. Where is the active Shea Weber at this point in time? Like, don't throw out something you want if there's no actual way to go out and acquire it, slash, you know, it, like the moves that are going to need to get there, and they're just not going to happen. Also, it's funny to me, too, because I do see a lot of people, there's been like a Josh Anderson. Like, I've seen some tweets about Josh Anderson, and then I also saw people talking about, like, how spending too much money on wingers or, like, wingers not producing and everything. I'm like, well, that's exactly what the Anderson, like, that's what that risk was with that signing. Because if you got what he got in Columbus before he got hurt, he looks like he does now. And he's, 
Man, that Toffoli and Anderson signings by Birdman were pretty uh were pretty good. The, Toffoli, the man, that was good right now. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they they pretty much lucked out on both of those. Yeah. Like I, I will say holy shit, oh, Anderson's wait, go got seven goals this year. I didn't even realize that. That's no, that's yeah. And but like that was a big gamble. It, it was a big risk. Huge gamble. It is it is a huge gamble and it's paying off right now. And honestly, if it wasn't paying off, that would even weaken the argument for going out and getting this. Like, I don't think the Flyers are gonna be able to find a guy that gets I think you're going to have to look the Corey Perry route. If you're really concerned about this, you get a guy like Corey Perry has been available or Pat Maroon or another guy that can play in the bottom six. It's funny that I'm throwing out Pat Maroon, but like a guy that plays in the bottom six, you will will play like third or fourth line minutes for you, can actually contribute, and, and also it doesn't cost anything, and you don't have to, I don't know. Like there, there's ways to add more like physicality or uh, – dickheadedness to the lineup without dickheadedness that's like breaking that's the term the that's bank. where i'm at yeah dickheadedness. Well, i think of like Corey perry can score though still and he can still and he is an asshole I don't know. everybody hates he him he's an asshole yeah like he is the I, i'm I think shocked people are looking for you know we talked about flyerish non-flyers like Corey perry is a hundred percent at the top of the like, list yeah he's a guy i'm shocked has not been a flyer <laughs> yeah, honestly yeah. <laughs> he really does fit the flyers mold it's crazy to look. I'm looking at Wilson's numbers, not to keep harping on Wilson, but I mean that's essentially what everybody's asking for is Tom Wilson, and no, it is. Yeah, to just look where he's at. So his first first season, he had ten points in eighty two games, seventeen points, twenty three points, nineteen points, and then in twenty seventeen eighteen, he upped to uh-huh. thirty five points. He scored fourteen goals, twenty one assists that year. Yeah. So that's really where he went. Yeah. And that's when he became just an invaluable resource to that team. Like, he was pretty solid for them up to that point for what they were looking for. He was known as a goon who could score a couple goals. But then he did that. And then the last two seasons, he scored 22 and 21 goals. So that's 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 a great resource for that team. But that was a guy who was pretty much just a goon before that. Yeah. And also, like, I don't think... I, I don't think you need team toughness to win. I think you might need an element of it, and I think like an argument for that would be the Lightning with Maroon last year. But even then, I, I think the Lightning win in 2020 without Patrick Maroon. I think whatever the hell happened to them in 2019, they were just kind of like, all right, well, we can't fucking do that again. And then they just focused on defense. I really the, – the defensive change is what I think got them the cup last year. I think so. I think so. And it's funny because teams did take the wrong lesson from that. Because the thing about the Lightning is they are one of the most talented teams in the league that get to cheat the salary cap every year somehow uh, uh, between Florida's tax law and <laughs> whatever magic bullshit, whatever can of magic beans they get to pull out every year to cheat the salary cap. They do it. Yeah. But an immensely talented team, the Tampa Bay Lightning are. They are just phenomenal. And I think it was a matter of time before they won a cup. But yeah, you can say it's toughness if you really want to. But yeah, I think playing that defensive element, real that's what put the Capitals over the top before that too, is being able to actually balance that defensive element with their offensive skill. And yeah. it's not Pat Maroon, guys. And like, I'm really glad Wayne Simmons is enjoying himself in Toronto because like that, he's not what that team needed to get over the top. But I'm glad he's having a good time there so far and playing for his, his hometown team and because I love Wayne Simmons. I always love Wayne yeah. Simmons. He will always be a flyer to me, and he's always welcome in the orange and black. I don't care if he's the worst player on the ice. I, I love him back there, and he's still going to beat the shit out of a guy, just like he... <laughs> oh, my God. Jordy Ben, I think oh, it was this man. week. 
annihilated him. That was such a like professional. It was like a professional fighter going up against an amateur. God, like where it was so bad. Yeah, blocking every punch. It. Like it was just <laughs> Neo at the end of the Matrix. Like okay, I know what to do here. Yeah, I but like I I think you're right. They don't need like the least any Wayne Simmons to go over the top. But I I think it's fair to say the least needed that element to their game. If that makes sense, like their like their defense or offense needed somebody that just goes to the fucking net and slams home rebounds. I okay. I think yeah, that's. I, I think you're right about like, that. Well, especially on the power play, right? Like somebody who yeah, can like really step a, in there if, in that situation, if, and they and need a finisher, it. which is something that also Flyers fans always complain like a, about like, not having is yeah. a finisher. Yeah. So like JVR has again, been doing this year so far. Yeah, and if you hold on, not yet. Uh, and if you do that. <laughs> We're still going to talk about this. Is the JVR podcast that today, folks? That's that's where I'm at. Okay, we will. I know we will get to the JVR factory. There's one guy I wanted to bring up on the toughness front. Last night, Nicholas Abe Kubel of the NAKGB hmm. went and got into a fight. It was not a pretty fight. It was not really an effective fight. But oh, yeah, he no. is somebody on the roster with a, a little bit of size who is here currently and. I don't know if, because he's been playing with this team, we complaining, and there have been complaints about toughness. I don't know if he's the answer, but I mean, he is a guy who provides some grit and is not, he's effective. Yeah. He's not, I don't know if he's effective necessarily in the department where people want the grit and toughness factor, but I he, is, he is. I think so too. I, I, I mean, yeah. you might have the answer and he might just have to grow into the role. I don't necessarily want to see him and Samuel Morin out there on the same roster though to to really try and take care of your toughness business no i i would be fine with nak as that guy and i think you're right that is a pretty good point um and i even mentioned it last night too because some fucking twitter account out there that like had was like how many days since the flyers last fought and everybody was like oh this is the problem they're not dropping the gloves that's why they don't play team defense or some stupid shit like that and then nak goes out there NAK goes out there, uh, you know, gets punched in the face a couple times, and then there was no, like, the Flyers had the most boring period, boring period of the season after that. <laughs> so, like, the Flyers, you know, got finally got to a fight, listless hockey, choke away another lead. So, it's not like the fighting or the physicality or the toughness is really going to alter that much. But also, yeah, NAK, I think, could be that guy. He had five hits on, not last night, but on Wednesday, I think he had five hits. And, like, not hit hits, like, five hits where he was... <laughs> putting people parallel in the corner. Like, they were pretty big. He had his own highlight reel on uh, on once and now, if I remember correctly. And I think he is a guy. Uh, I don't know if he has that... He has the tenacity. I don't know if he has the, like, uh, the presence on the ice yet, I guess, if that makes sense. There, there, It does not seem like teams are aware of him on the ice enough yet. But he is being a physical presence. Like, he doesn't have the reputation of, like, a Wilson or a Chris Wagner or anybody else that we've the Flyers have played recently, like a Cal Clutterbuck or a Martin, or like somebody that is really annoying and physical to go up against. Uh, but you're right, NAK could be that guy. And that kind of does, you know, does kind of lessen this argument here because uh, he kind of already is on the roster. I mean, that's a bottom six guy that can skate well, chip in offensively, and also uh, hurts people physically. <laughs> so, like, that is, yeah, that's what I think people are looking for, and he's already here. So maybe he grows into it. Uh, the answer might already be on the roster, Stephen. Just look in the mirror. Stephen. It's you. Just look in the mirror. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, congrats. It was you the whole time. <laughs> now we're speaking about, you know, guys the team might need, you know, uh, potential things to address through a trade or something like that. There is one big piece that is not, 
you know, there's a big piece on this roster that is hurt right now that may be coming back soon. Yeah. Uh, and we mentioned it at the top with the Lions and uh, Katoria playing, but Katoria, it sounds like he will be back at some point this week, if not on Sunday. Um, so I'm looking at the notes I had from uh, from the outline, and uh, for Thursday, they're saying he was going to be five to eight days away, and now it sounds like he might even be playing on Sunday. But I think Av was a little hesitant on that, and it sounds like he should be in either uh tuesday or thursday i really would not want to rush him back him being back healthy and effective is really just so vitally important for this team he is a leader on the ice he is a leader in the locker room he is just like and he's their best player he is flat out their best player Mm -hmm. he is i i mean again we always do the drill or we always you know for years i've talked about how Injuries can't be an excuse. If one player is your team, that's not a great sign. All that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But in theory, if you went through every team in the league and you had to pick one player out of the lineup that they really couldn't afford to lose for an extended period of time, for a while now, it's been Katoria for the Flyers. Uh, that doesn't mean he's the most talented offensively, but he's a pretty good fucking two-way forward. He's pretty well-rounded, uh, and he has... Huge positive impact for the team in the offensive uh, and defensive zones in all three phases of the game. So, and he usually gets the most amount of ice time out of everybody, and he's able to drive play a five and five. He's a huge ingredient. Like he, he's shown freaking. If he was on any other team, if you took him away, it would be a big deal. He's a selkie winner. He is. Yeah, that really explains it all. Like if well, like, he's also one of their top years, three point scorers. Yeah. Like any other year where those guys won Selkies, like if you took Bergeron or Tees or Kopitar off those teams, like those teams would look a little different. And uh, once he comes back, I think like if the Flyers are able to win the next one or two games without him and they end up going 7-2-2 two, and two without him, that's a pretty good sign. Because it's not like the Flyers are going to get worse once it gets into the lineup. They might stop being as lucky or not getting as many bounces, you know, having one of the worst shot differentials on average across the league and still winning games because you're producing. That stuff may not happen, but they should look better. And then in the long run, that means they should be more competitive in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, he should be back next week is what it sounds like. And that's information we got right before the podcast. So not a ton of details on that. And then also... As close to breaking news as Flight Purple can get. Yeah, it's as close as we'll get. There's also more breaking news we'll get to uh, a little bit down in the, in the uh, outline, but it's not as big. But uh, one other injury note, too, since we already talked about Myers and Ghost and Katori. And now uh, Morgan Frost will have surgery on his shoulder and is out for months. Uh, that is also according to – I saw that from Charlie. So I'm gonna God, that sucks. Credit for that. Yeah, it does suck. And, again, that would be another – you know, the, the defense has been getting a lot of shit, uh, but the offense uh, hasn't really produced a ton at 5-5 five five either in terms of generating chances. Uh, the Flyers have been a weird team. Like, they, they're they scaring me. Again, this is all without Couturier, but they're scaring me a little bit because I kind of had the feel that they did to me in early part of 2018-19 where because of how shorthanded they are on defense, it feels like they have two modes where either – they're going to trade chances with you and both ends of the ice are going to be fucking nuts. And you're going to see like a six to five, five to four game, or we're going to have like Friday's game where literally nothing happens because all they're doing is focusing on the defensive side of the puck and don't want to give up any mistakes for a while there. They were finding ways to, to win, but now the last couple of games they found a way to lose. And again, it's Boston who they seemingly 
it's like their thing this year. They just love blowing games of Austin, but they're, they're also that's really like, freaking great. <laughs> like, yeah, the Bruins, it'd be great if this could stop doing that. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to make excuses, but I am going to make an excuse. The Bruins are really freaking good. If there's one team you can make excuses against, it's I, I wouldn't even. I don't even think it's an argument. The Bruins are the best team in this division. Sure. Okay. Losing to them, yes. Blowing multiple third period leads. It's not great. So far. I'm fully yeah, cognizant. <laughs> it's not great. That's what I'm saying. I'm fully <laughs> yeah. cognizant of that, and I'm very frustrated, yeah. obviously, by it. But it's also the Bruins. Yeah, I would like. Don't I, do that. Don't you, blow the opportunities. Like, obviously, don't blow any opportunities if you can. But you really got to take care of business against the lesser teams in this division. Yeah. Like, I, you I can make excuses for losing to the good teams, but. You gotta win those Sabres games. You gotta win those Devils games, those Rangers games, and yes, even the stinking Islanders, which they found a way recently. They gotta keep yeah. finding a way to beat those teams. You beat the majority of those teams, and you know they they match up much better, I think, with the I don't, with the yeah. Capitals and the Pe- Penguins than they do with the Bruins. I got a bad feeling about that. I mean, if they had. It is the Bruins. You're making good points. My whole thing is, if they had an opportunity to grab some points from the Bruins, it already happened. I Poshnik's back. I know. Like they already, yeah. <laughs> it's just, frustrating. Look, it's frustrating for sure. I'm just, I'm upset, Stephen. The world's mad at me because of the Poshnik prediction. I just, I'm trying to get. Well, that was your fault. Right? I'm just, I know. Yeah, I'm just, I'm too good at this. You know, it's just too. Uh, speaking of, well, you already nailed the segue. JVR is on fire, folks. I mean, literally, figuratively, whatever you want to say. He is he's lighting the world on fire, <laughs> hockey. I don't think he's literally on fire. That'd be a literally problem. Literally on fire. Sixteen points. Somebody call it the, the, the I was gonna say somebody call a cop JVR is on fire, but they don't handle fires. Uh JVR sixteen points in twelve games this season, Stefan. Uh going in the Saturday's action, only four players in the NHL had sixteen points or more. JVR, McDavid has 24, Drysaddle has 22, and Mitch Marner has 17. So I'm grouping JVR within, you know, that group of players. They're Elite. on the same level. Clearly. Yeah. Six goals and 10 assists in 12 games. Currently on a six-game point streak, uh, 11 points, where he has three goals and eight assists with three multi-point games, including a two-goal game in the de- uh, 5-3 winner of the Devils last week and four assists in Sunday's 4-3 overtime win. God dang! Against the Islanders. Uh, again, also not just uh, producing. 82 players have played 140 minutes or more at 5-5 five and five this year. JVR's 4.07 points per 60 of 5-5 five and five going into month, er, Saturday's action is the best points per 60 rate in the league. Ehlers is second at 3.53 for the Jets, and McDavid is third with 3.43. So Don't hurt him, James! In the league, <laughs> at 5-5, five five, this played a fair, mo- fair amount this season. JVR is producing the most among the forwards, and that doesn't even get into uh, the fact that he was named one of the stars of the month for January, along with Joe Pavelski and Anze Kopitar. In the month of January, he was sixth in the NHL with 13 points, uh, and uh, tied for the league league with four power play goals. So producing at one of the best rates at forwards at 5-5, five and, five, and also tied for the league league uh, with power play goals at four. That is, as the kids say, what's up? The kids don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> and... Last night, also going on JVR before we start, uh, you know, really losing our minds. Over him. Had a power play goal last night on a really good reflection from Gustafson. And also, I thought Wednesday's game, I thought he was one of the better players and did a lot of little stuff that he always gets railed on for. Um, you know, regardless of pitch and only gets production, doesn't actually do any of the work. But uh, I, I think he looked really good. Wednesday, he created a turnover in the offensive zone um, and set up a goal for... 
Uh, I think it was Voracek, yeah. And then he had a bunch of great plays on the therapy plays on Sunday. And uh, currently shooting 21.4%, Steve. Uh, six goals and 28 shots. Shot career high, 16.2% in his Sounds first season. Back with the Flyers. So, yeah, maybe not sustainable. Uh, but still, he just looks good overall. It's not like these goals are, you know, hitting his leg pad and going in. He's getting pretty good deflections. He's going to the front of the net and finishing off passing plays that are created for him. Like, he is playing well. James Van Riemsdyk is doing exactly what the Flyers paid him to do when they brought him back. This is what you want him to do. You want him to score those goals, those greasy goals in front of the net, the ones that Mike Sielski might say are easy goals, but they, mm-hmm. I assure you, are not easy when you have a dude cross-checking you in the back and you yeah, find you a way to deflect in a 100-mile-an-hour yeah. puck into a net. <laughs> like The hand-eye coordination involved in doing that is insane. And yeah. he's killing it right now. And he's doing little things, right? And even his, like, his little moves are looking smoother than they had in the past couple of years where, you know, the one I'm talking about where he like sticks the net between or sticks the, t- takes the stick between the legs and tries to shoot through there. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That he's, kind of shit, yeah. like the sneaky little stuff, you know, like he is, he's yeah. finishing. He's, and the assists are awesome. Like I, I, that's something he doesn't typically do. And he has a ton of assists right now. And he's really like yeah. working well with his teammates and setting them up as well. Yeah, he's had, like, in his return, we've talked about, like, he'll have, every once in a while, he'll pull, like, a pretty nice time out of his ass. But he's had some really, really good passes this year. And I will say for him, and again, talking about the easy goals and not doing enough for, like, he's soft or whatever, uh, him and Fairbeard are the only two fuckers on this team actually going to the net right now. Uh, and I saw that on Wednesday a lot with JVR was there were two or three different times he'd pick up a loose puck in the corner. I think he caught the Bruins and and the Flyers too in mid line change and just took the puck from the corner and took it straight to the net and shot. Like him and Faraby are the only two guys right now that aren't thinking pass first when they come into the offensive zone. They are guys that are just coming down the wings and just taking it right to the net. And I mean, if you'll look at two of the biggest point producers right now, it's JVR setting up Faraby. So it would be nice if more people on the team did that. That might be a reason why they have some of the the, the worst uh Shot attempts, four percentages, numbers in the league in terms of just general shot attempts. But, yeah, JVR, again, got a lot of shit last year. He was somebody that was marked up going to Seattle in no time. And I think he's been uh, – I mean, the team has needed him so far. <laughs> if he hasn't produced some of these, the, the record would look a lot different, I think. Yeah. And also the power play would be an even bigger issue because, honestly – they they're doing really well, but I mean they don't convert, man. It the power it's ugly. Play is gross. It's real it's ugly. T- hey, they can't get in the zone, and they really. And then there are times where after they struggle to get in the zone, all they do is pass around the perimeter before fucking up a pass. So it's whenever yeah, that happens, I I just scream. It is I just so <laughs> infuriating. The top of my lungs. Yeah. I mean they've had <laughs> they've had some real bad like two man advantages recently too, where you're just staring at it in disbelief. How you screw up a two-man advantage it just doesn't yeah, yeah. make any sense yeah it's it's all the stuff that we've criticized the flyers for over the years the not yeah. shooting enough the you know the overpassing i mean i always go back and forth because i wouldn't want to lose the production from any of their bigger names that are accused of not shooting enough but there are times where you really would want like another finisher in favor of another mm-hmm. passer like the team succeeded for the most part. And we're talking about guys with a ton of points who are still finding ways to produce on this team that are making goals, even if they aren't direct goals. 
and, but it's still, there's still times where you want to see these guys shoot more. You want to have another guy who can just bury pucks as opposed to a guy who's going to pass it to another guy who's going to pass it to another guy. And maybe they'll <laughs> pass it in the back of the net, uh, Voracek style. Who knows? Bofa, yeah, get that mentality going team wide. Honestly, I think a big issue or a big issue right now is just connecting. He's not fucking scoring either. I mean, he's got. He was the team's top right. producer last year, and yep. it, yeah, I think the hat was goal. great. But besides that, he hasn't really done much. I think he has one goal that he's actually scored with this stick on purpose. Uh, which, if you're going to be playing in the top six and you're a guy that's supposed to be the finisher on this team, you gotta you gotta finish more. I think that is a problem that's kind of going on now. Um, but again, that might get leveled out when Katori comes back in the lineup because that could be, I mean, Limbaum, Katori, Konechny was a pretty dominant top line last year uh, or a pretty dangerous top line. So if they get back together and start, you know, getting into the chemistry of last year, that might be uh, maybe starts picking it up then. Yeah. Konechny's got eight points in 11 games, five goals, three assists. But as you said, <laughs> He had the hat trick, so the majority of that in game, game in one game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, second game of the year, so now we're they're through what twelve now. So, you know, we're looking at a uh, ten games in the fifty game season where uh, it hasn't really you haven't really noticed connected that much. Uh, by the way, Josh Anderson just scored again, going to the net, picking up a rebound. But I I would ne- I would have thought the Flyers were insane if they like that was a Kevin Hayes situation, but way worse because we all thought they were nuts when they signed Hayes to that contract and. I mean, yeah. I know Hayes hasn't been as effective with Couturier out. I think Hayes' he... real value comes when Couturier's in there and he can be a true 2C. But mm-hmm. I have not regretted the Hayes contract to this point, and I will knock on wood over that one. But I would have thought they were insane if they had signed Josh Anderson to the contract that the Montreal Canadiens did. Oh, no, I, I still do. Yeah, I, I still do, too. And we'll see how that works out uh, for them. But again, I would have liked Anderson. I don't know about the price tag. What? There was another point I was going to make here. And then Josh Anderson completely was it about fucked up my Kevin host. Hayes or Sean Couturier? Or Kevin Hayes. I thought James I was going to say Kevin Hayes has been fine. Jam Kevin Hayes has been fine. <laughs> he's, been, he's been producing too. And I think he's looked uh, five at, fine at a uh, five on five. And he's still doing Kevin Hayes stuff, just controlling the puck forever. So I think Hayes is good. I mean, he's, he's producing. He's got 11 points in 12 games. So yeah. he's the team's second. Well, he's tied for for second most in points because Hayes, Voracek, and Drew all have 11 points in 12 games. (laughs) Yeah, so it's good that they're all, you know, that there's steady production all around. You know, we talk about depth and, you know, nobody's leading the team right now with their one of the better players out. So that is a good sign. And I was alluding to players who produce that aren't necessarily putting the puck in the back of the net. And I'm I'm basically looking at that Voracek-Drew block right there, which I I wouldn't, (laughs) I don't want to, I love both those players and i think this team needs both those players but there are times where you know people have their frustrations with the fact that neither of those players are goal scorers and you're seeing that right now because claude giroux's got one goal and 10 assists and jay forachek's got three goals and eight assists they are guys who they just feel more comfortable passing for the most part thankfully faraby and uh jam jam reams over here are (laughs) Putting the puck in the back of the net. Again, like, Konechny, it's very deceptive because Konechny's got five goals, but again, three of them came in one game. And I know Farabee's also had a hat trick, but I I guess it just feels like Farabee's had a little bit more consistency and it feels like he's out there uh, contributing offensively uh, more frequently than Konechny has been, who it really does feel like he has been largely invisible. I thought Konechny was going to come back really strong 
from that benching, and he just has not come back as strong as you, you really wanted him to. I mean, you can see it on the shots, right, where uh, Van Riemsdyk has 28 shots on the season, Hayes has 29, Farabee's got 25, Konechny's down there at 15, he's got less than Provorov, Provorov's got 18 shots. Yeah, and Far- and going back to Farabee's goal scoring too, like, uh, he's got a lot of, he's got a ton of goals in only a few goal scoring games, if that makes sense, like, I think he said, he had the hat trick and then a couple other games where he scored and that was it, but all of his goals have been fucking wild, like, they've all been one-timers laced for bar and Oh, yeah, uh, they've been beautiful, that one that went uh, from Van Riemsdyk to Lawton to Farabee, where Lawton and Farabee actually took advantage of a two-on-one. It's <laughs> yeah. freaking awesome. I think that was in uh, the first of the two Bruins games this week, right? I think so. I yeah, think, yeah that was been, the one that put him yeah. up two-to-one or three-to-one, something like yeah. that. Yeah, no, you're right. It was three-to-one. Yeah, that was the one that made him three-to-one. Right, because I was actually happy for a moment in my life, and then uh-huh. it had to all get shut all down very down. quickly <laughs> by the Bruins. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But like to actually see them take advantage of that two-on-one and see a guy blast away like Farabee did was awesome. I just want to see TK, he started off the season well, where he was. He had that jerky attitude, jerk store was fully back, he was yeah. jawing at guys and drawing penalties. I feel and like, yeah. I feel like him and Lawton, things have kind of gotten away from them the past couple games, or the past, oh, I would yeah, say, Lawton's week or so for Konechny. Lawton took two yeah. bonehead penalties two games in a row, and one of them really killed the Flyers. I mean... Yeah, we're going to run through the... Uh, there's not too many stats from the last couple of games, especially now because the games are a week old. But, man, that penalty Lawton took to close out the uh, regulation on Wednesday was bad. Like, that was a penalty you just... You can't take that with seven. There's seven was, seconds left in the game. Yeah, he's not going to do anything with that. Or block. in regulation, also, rather. Like, just get to OT and start fresh. Start fresh, try to, to secure the loose that... Puck. And instead, they, like there was they're put in a so bad position reasons. to start OT, and they almost lost it in regulation. They almost didn't even get the point. Yeah, which would have been more insane. And that's the thing. Like, this week, to me, it was... I'm happy the uh, Katori is coming back, and it sounds like, you know, Hart's fine, Limbaugh's fine, and uh, Meyer should be back relatively soon, too. But with Katori out, it kind of it's been a team where we were getting to the point where it felt like with... Their record and how they had played, whether or not you believed the winning was still going to happen with the way they were looking or when they were going to start having the, like, good luck run out. I guess that makes sense. Like, there was no way they could keep doing what they were doing and expect to keep always ending up on the right side of the result. Like, the last two games, they have gotten, they found ways to lose them. After the first 10 games of the season where, we questioned the process and it was like, they found a way to win. Well, it's like, well, good teams find a way to win, but it was like how, like they got to prove they're a good team again first. Like the last two games have been, they found ways to lose. So hopefully that stops when Katori comes back. Uh, if not, it's going to be a really fucking painful season. And it just means the first 10 games, they got lucky. But I, I like to think that when Katori comes back, they're going to look like a completely different team. Which they should. I, I think him being added to the lineup just changes a lot, especially in terms of matchups and, you know, kind of pushing everybody down the lineup a little bit. That's a guy who takes up so many minutes on a given night. I, I mean, what's his average? I, I don't have it in front of me, but he's oh, got to average 20 at least 20 tonight. minutes a night, which that's huge. He's close. It's a lot for, and that's a lot for a forward. I'll, I'm looking it up right now, but I think he, he came close last year. I mean, he plays in all situations. He that's twenty plus minutes a night. He is a guy, and he's your best defensive player. Period. 
even with even Ivan Provorov, like Sean Couturier <laughs> is still your best defensive player. He's just that good. It makes that much of a difference, and it it helps the depth all the way down. I mean, it's your number one center, and he's a legitimate number one center. You can't. You look at almost any team, and they lose their number one center, and that changes every dynamic. That it, yeah. it, it is just a fact. And it, when he comes back, this Flyers team is just totally different. It is a new team. I am excited. And that's what you're saying. They really needed to survive Couturier being out and get points where they could. I, not getting an extra point, really they should have had two extra points against the Bruins over these past couple weeks. Mm. I'm fine losing the second game. I'm not fine with it, but you know what I mean? Like, if you yeah. come away from each Bruins series with two to three points, that's pretty satisfying. It's not perfect, but it does the trick. Yeah, like, Friday's game was upsetting, but it's more like, if it was just that game by itself, that's just kind of a, you know... You if they hadn't just blown it two nights before, then it would have been... Yeah, like, I don't think I would have been that... Because, again, the process, like, structurally, that may have been one of the better games. That game and the game they had on Saturday or Sunday against the Islanders were two of the better games they've looked overall just in terms of actually playing with structure and controlling the puck at 5-on-5. Katori, by the way, played in 1950 a game last year. So just about 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. He was 25th among forwards. 11 seconds behind Alexander Barkov, by the way. So oh, okay. Oh, oh the most underrated there, player yeah. in the history yeah, of exactly. sports. Not just yeah. the NHL. See, we don't talk about Barkov on this podcast at all. So maybe they got a point, Steve. Maybe, you know, if you don't uh, talk about right. Barkov, does he even exist? I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> One area I think Katori is really going to help this team, too, is finishing games. Because they are having a lot of trouble defensively finishing games. We've seen this with the Bruins. We saw this with the games against the Islanders, where they just aren't able to stand up defensively. Jean Couturier is always the no-brainer. Couturier is going out there at the end of the game and helping the Flyers finish it. No, he is. Yeah, it is. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the uh, him getting implemented back into the roster means. Hopefully, it will mean nothing but good stuff. Let me. I'm trying to run through. Okay, let's look at some of these numbers here. So. Lawton had two points in the uh, overtime win against the Islanders last Saturday, through to overtime win. It was his first regular season overtime winner. Uh, his first overtime winner ever was against the Islanders in game five, uh, which was also when he had his last uh, multi-point game. Just got to let Lawton face the Islanders, apparently, and uh, he's in pretty good shape. Uh, Gossas Fair scored his 200th NHL point on Lawton's overtime goal as well. He's one of now six uh, Philadelphia defensemen hit 200 points or more. Uh, Mark Congrats Powell is to the first uh, Markel first with 480, Desjardins second with 396, Kimo Timo uh, third with 270, Tom Bladen uh, 230, and then Ben Wilson 214. So Ghost uh, good company might right be, there. yeah, it's pretty good company. He might be uh, fifth in no time. Uh, and kind of surprised to see Ben Wilson out there, but I guess it was the 80s. Uh, Hayes and Voracek also had a goal. Braun had his physical presence felt with four hits and four block shots. Uh, That's what he's known for. Yeah. <laughs> Faraby Hattrick on uh, in the win on Sunday. Um, Flyer second hat trick of the year, like we were just talking about connecting second in the second game of the year. Um, we should also talk about Michael Raffle wearing Gritty's communically large uh, hat. That was fantastic. Because we saw the yeah, we saw the hat comically large, not communicable. Uh saw the hat in the connecting hat trick and then Raffle decided to take advantage and just toss that thing right on his head. The size fourteen hat. It, it was fantastic. <laughs> Faraby with that hat trick, very impressive, and one of the youngest flyers to ever get a hat trick. 
Yeah, I think I saw. So he's one of five flyers ever to record a hat trick before the age of 21. I think that's in all games because I saw the stat before was he was one of three flyers to get it before the age of 21, and it was him, Richards. Lindros, 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 Lindros. Yeah, and then uh, and then somebody <laughs> Look, pointed was, out to me. It was hilarious. Yeah. It was just like Lindros, 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 Lindros. Therapy. Somebody pointed out that uh, Katori had one in the postseason. So I think it was Katori, and then I forget who else had a another very, one very young Sean Katori, I want to say. Yeah. 19 yeah, exactly. or something like that at the time. Yeah, and that was something like, I didn't even think about it when I heard that set originally. And then as soon as I said it on post game, somebody was like, what about Katori in 2012? And I was like, yeah, what about Katori in 2012? I was like, why did they not mention this? I, but for some reason, those playoff hat tricks really just seem to kind of just, I guess, slip away from a lot of people because I don't know the record keeping's really different with that for some reason. But it that, is. It is. Yeah. Cause that's one of the wildest games, you know, to look back at mm-hmm. is that that game where both drew and Couture had that hat series, tricks. Was it drew? Or was it was nuts. No, it's true. It was true. Uh, I thought series, it was true. That series was nuts. And that game may have been honestly the most, that or game three or the most bonkers game two. It still took court. overtime. Yeah. Game uh game two game two didn't take overtime game one did i know but th- didn't the game where they had multiple hat tricks uh Katoria and drew no no, no they won eight to five oh so that game it's, was... it's so hard to remember because no, no it was just those a, first couple I, games I were just remember. insane yeah, just actually bonkers. the entire series is bonkers the entire series is insane i'm trying to remember so eight to five drew and had drew and Katoria had hat tricks drew had six points to set the franchise record for points in the game Crosby scored 15 seconds in. Uh, what else happened in that game? I mean that. I mean that's what did it just that game was nuts. That game. Yeah, that was just that. That game was pure insane. And then the next game was even more insane with all the fighting and um, the flurry goals. Oh my god, the flurry goals against in the game three are Jeez. some of the best goals against I've ever seen in my life. There's some of the greatest moments of my life. Just flurry with that bouncing goal against Talbot. I'll never forget that. <laughs> just I think forever. I watched that game. At Xfinity Live, and it was oh my god, it was a oh my bonkers god. environment. It, yeah. Like it was like being there. That that was the that one time the where I went to Xfinity Live, and I have no regrets about it because it was phenomenal. I was gonna say, like that would be if there was ever a game if I had to pick, like in recent history, where I think Xfinity Live wasn't was Xfinity Live around for the Cup, the trip to the Cup. I don't think so. I was I was like it would be either Game Three or Game Three of the Cup, or I think that one. Game three of 2012 against the Pens, I would have wanted to be at, yeah, Xfinity Live because those games would have been absolutely. It was elbow to elbow, which I can't even fathom being elbow to elbow people <laughs> right now, at yeah. this point. It was just elbow to elbow. Yeah. You're just hugging and high fiving strangers and just like jumping up and down, and it was yeah. awesome. That is, uh, I just imagine seeing people in public right now. You know what I mean? Like hanging out with people. I waited in a socially yeah. distant line for tacos today, and that still felt like it was too close. Oh. Yeah, How, good tacos. Uh, good ta- worth it. Yeah, worth it. Yeah, let's look at let's talk about the the Wednesday game wasn't great, uh, but it was Drew's 900th NHL game, uh, to which the Flyers celebrated by not getting a shot on Tuka Rask until 9:27 in, and also had seven turnovers in the first period. So I mean, just shoot, shoot it, Claude. Just shoot it. Yeah, just shoot it. Yeah, 900 games uh, though, and one of the longest tenured Flyers captains in history. I mean, it's. It's been a hell of a ride for Claude Giroux, and I really need this goddamn franchise to bring that man a Stanley Cup. Yeah. 
yeah, that'd be, that would be you listen in Chucky two traits. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also from that game, uh, Hayes scored uh, to give him 11 points in 11 games. He was also on a three-game goal streak, which tied his career high. He also had, oh, he had a, no, he had a career-long four-game goal streak in November of uh, 2016. He did not tie that last night because JVR had the only goal. Uh, as I said earlier, NAK had five hits on Wednesday. Uh, Pashnik's ha- uh, hat trick on Wednesday. According to Adam Kimmelman, he you was mean the your first player. hat trick that you will David Pashnik to have. Yes, uh, the 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 hat trick I was waiting for Poshnik to have because I, I do have him on my fantasy team. Uh, he is the first player ever to score fifteen sec uh, within the first fifteen seconds of regulation and the final fifteen seconds of regulation in a hat trick. Um, so there's that little fun fact for the Flyers because he did open the scoring twelve seconds in on a hilariously bad play, and then he tied it with fourteen point nine seconds left in regulation. And it was the first hat trick against the Flyers since Timo Myers in the Flyers' six to one loss in San Jose on December twenty eighth, twenty nineteen. The road trip we never want to talk about, but seemingly somehow always mention it about like a year and a half later. That's probably because I'm always looking at these stats from last year and everything that went wrong could have gone wrong on that road trip. And that was I had a bunch of notes about the lines compared to a. Uh, Sunday and Wednesday, that's all useless now because of the new lines uh, that we're seeing now in practice. Steve, they play in the reverse retros on Wednesday. What do we think? I like them. Finally saw it in I actually, I liked them a lot. I liked them a lot better once they were in action, which I, I think you can go back. Reaction. Oh, yeah, see, I think you like, can go back to the episode where we first saw the leak, and I think I said I need to see them in action on a player to see how it looks, and I, yeah, it makes all sure the difference. Enough. It really does. No, I like them. Um, I think they look sharp. I I want them to continue with them as a, an alternate for a while. I wonder, like, and I, I'm not doing this, and I don't know who's going to be doing this. I wonder how much the disparity between how excited fans were for the original leak they got of their team's reverse retro to how much I actually like it. I feel like the like the Flyers had the biggest 180 in the league. I felt like nobody liked the original leak for the Flyers jersey. And then on one scenario, everybody was like, these jerseys are fucking dope. 
Like they were, they yeah. all went from no thank you to I need one of these. No thank you to Brad's making him an Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, so like, and Brad was somebody who I think was very staunchly on the fence, just like they were very, eh. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought they looked great. And yeah, there was a big 180 because I remember like the Penguins one came out and Penguins fans were like, I like that. Crisp penguins objectively, but it's also the most boring, you know. Oh, it's fucking diagonal letters. Yeah, (laughs) it makes sense for them. Yo, I have to mention on that note, by the way, the Carolina Hurricanes dunking on the penguins on Twitter about that was so good. Did you see that? No, I did not see that. So the the Hurricanes had tweeted out something along the lines of, uh, really ballsy of you guys to wear the diagonal letter jersey against the team that invented the diagonal letter jersey when they were playing the rangers <laughs> and the penguins tried to clap back with something along the lines of didn't you steal your logo from quiznos or something which is just lame and then yeah. uh the penguin i think the penguins lost that game i want to say and the hurricanes answered back and i think they said something along the lines of uh of uh can we buy you some Quiznos in this trying time? <laughs> any any measure to... I think the Hurricanes are a pretty good Twitter account. They've, uh, they're one of the better ones in the league, I would think. IML. Or at least I see them dunking on teams every once in a while. Unfortunately, the Devils hired somebody pretty good at, at Twitter, too, recently. Which is not uh, not an ideal development. I mean, but uh, Yeah, but they still have the, just the worst, you know the worst mascot in the league. Yeah, they really. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Bold move wearing these against the inventors of Diagonal. Bold move to steal the Quiznos logo with the <laughs> bold... back. There it is. Also a bold move of the Flyers to lose fashion in these puppies. So, they were the, that was the only enjoyable fact about Wednesday night's game was they were, were they were down some pretty sick threats. They looked pretty good out there choking that game away. Uh, that was about it. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna choke a game away, you wanna you wanna look good doing it. Do it in style, yeah. At least you know, have some kind of toe grip from it. But, uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, speaking of games for the Flyers to choke away, hopefully uh, these four games that have had their game uh, the dates changed from when they're gonna be played, the Flyers don't choke away. That was an alright segue. Whatever. It's Saturday afternoon. We're not used to doing this at this Saturday time. afternoon. Uh, we don't have uh, cold ones yet. I might get one yeah, mid podcast though. We'll this see. is. <laughs> this is <laughs> Uh, apparently, according to, uh, the league, uh, today, they have changed four Flyers games, uh, all road games, and, uh, the first game that has been impacted in terms of schedule was Flyers-Rangers game on February 16th has been, uh, moved from then until, uh, to February 14th at 6 p.m., so that is now next Sunday, that game will be played, so Steve, uh, we gotta alter the, uh, forecast on, uh, that we're gonna record in a couple days. Uh, next one is Buffalo. The games against Buffalo that are supposed to be played on the February 26th and uh, March 30th are now going to be moved to February 27th and February 31st. So both those games are just getting moved back a day. Um, and then the uh, the one on the 27th is going to be played at 1. The one on March 31st is going to be played at 7.30 p.m. And then the last one was uh, the Devils have probably my favorite uh, day change. Was, uh, they were originally supposed to have a game on uh, 4.20 and now it's put on. Now it's on for uh, April Fool's Day at 7 p.m. So we went from being uh, high as fuck about that game and not knowing if it was happening to we don't know if it's going to happen because somebody might be 
playing a joke on us. So there's a lot. I don't know if that game's happening. There's a lot going well, on there. Just folks, you, for... just know this: you have to be high to watch the New Jersey Devils play hockey. Heyo, and I'll tell you what: that might be true. Uh, you crack? Did you just crack open one? I did. I said one? I would, and oh, nice. <laughs> I follow through on my promises, folks. Uh, what else about the uh, COVID? Chuck Fletcher? It's a mess here. right now. It's a goddamn oh, mess. Yeah. You know what's we, funny? We have a whole section. I think yeah, it was on gonna... the forecast where we were just like, oh, the NHL's done a pretty good job Look, with it so far talk, compared okay. to other... No, 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 I'm not criticizing you. I, yeah, I was yeah. We were saying, like, the NHL's done a pretty good job compared to other leagues, and then, like, the next day, it just basically came I... out. Well, the NHL yeah. has fucked this up. I was saying more about they actually see it. They're doing pretty good in being serious about like the actual punishments. It seemed like they completely, they were doing all right too, I guess at the time, but holy shit, it has gone off the rails in like the last week or so. It's like, just real become bad. just, just horrific. I mean, it's, it's bad all over, obviously. Like we're all living yeah. in this world where we know how bad it is, but it's the NHL, ha- NHL's handling it has gotten very poor. I mean, it's bad in all sports. I, I think, Kevin Durant was playing a game last night and got like pulled midway. They got to stop with this Justin Turner shit. Like they got to stop. Yeah. MLB screwed it up with Justin Turner where he shouldn't have even been allowed into that game. And he was playing a world series game and hugging people and just like, (laughs) I, I, yeah, it was, it was insane. it, It just sports with COVID is such a bad combination. And these leagues are just so determined to plow through and make it happen. And now we're talking about fans maybe coming back. No, bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. So let's, uh, I, again, this was for the outline on Thursday, and I mainly just carried it over with uh, the schedule update now. But the Flyers are one of the teams that have been least affected by COVID, and they just had to announce uh, schedule changes today. Uh, big old there's knock also, on wood for that one. Yeah. Uh, there's also, uh, and they also had to deal with a ghost on COVID, on the COVID uh, protocol list, too, for a while. So. Um, Chuck Fletcher also says he had his own bout of COVID-19 in January. I'm just going to run through all the COVID situations across the league right now. And, uh, some changes the league plans on, uh, addressing to try and help this, uh, kind of control the spread. Uh, 90 players have appeared on COVID protocol this year. Uh, currently as of Friday, there were 40 on it. Four teams, the Devils, uh, Golden Knights, Sabres, and Wild are currently paused. Uh, the Devils had postponed games through this weekend earlier this week they had 14 players on covid protocol uh vegas had their schedule a bunch of games because their coaching staff as well as alex petrangelo were in covid protocol um buffalo canceled games through monday taylor hall was on covid protocol and also ralph kruger who is 61 years old uh had covid and then minnesota had to put six players on covid uh a day after playing the avalanche so we haven't seen if there are ramifications from uh the avalanche and uh any players getting covid and uh minnesota's canceled games through february 9th and marco rossi uh, the first round pick from this year is out for the season with complications from covid uh also on thursday gabriel landeskog nico sturm of the wild and jake mccabe of the sabers were added to covid protocol um via uh, Stephen Wino of the AP. Uh, this was, again, from Thursday, over 40 on Thursday. 22 games have been postponed, affecting 16 of the league's 24 U.S.-based teams. Only one of the 40 players currently on the COVID list is from a Canadian team, and that is because Pierre-Luc Dubois is in quarantine after a trade from Columbus to Winnipeg. So, again, could be a national problem because, I mean, we already kind of knew that, but because... Uh, 
Canada does not seem to be having any players running into issues of uh, needing to be placed on COVID protocol. Mm, uh, and imagine that. You, you get into the concerns, you know, just the general concerns of players getting it, but then you also have situations like Kyle Falcaco of the Rangers was out of the COVID protocol this week, and he is immunocompromised with type 1 diabetes and celiac disease. It's terrible. Uh, and then also around the league, uh, or around other leagues, um, the, w- the NWHL suspended player for the rest of 2021 uh, as former NHLer and Boston Pride coach Paul Mara, as well as five other Pride members, tested positive for uh, COVID. And then in the QMJHL, the Victoriaville Tigers, Igor Serdyuk's team, uh, the Flyers' 2019 six-round pick, uh, had positive COVID tests this week as well, pushing back uh, all their action to at least February 25th. Uh, so, Sucks. again, I think overall in general and pretty sure you feel the same way steve uh this shit was gonna happen anyway even without like without the bubble you're just increasing the odds the league and the nba honestly got insanely lucky or were extremely cautious or had something right in the regiment last year that helped prevent any positive tests after the original you know initial introduction into the bubble but i think you had a couple factors i think you had the the extra caution uh, you had the fact that cases were, they were bad, but they aren't as bad the as they are too, today. Yeah. It is horrific yeah. today. Just absolutely out of control. Horrific. And you also had the fact that they kind of locked those players down. Like, not kind of, they locked those players down. And they weren't allowed yeah. to go out and really just have day-to-day lives. They were just in the complex Nobody in, nobody out, unless they were a hundred percent cleared. It was that extra caution that why, which is why they were both successful in that scenario. And they're on the road; they can't really keep people from going out and living their lives and seeing mm-hmm. other people and other people coming into contact. I mean, it's it is the struggle of COVID nineteen that is yeah. going on throughout the country. That the day to day struggle, unless you have a specialized environment. Is you're gonna get cases, unfortunately, and I mean it also is a reflection of how the U.S. is handling COVID in general, as opposed to other countries. I mean, it has been exponentially worse in the United States than it has in most other countries around the world. The U.S. has just done such a piss poor job of handling it. The the mixed messages, the politicizing of mask wearing, all factors that have gone into the U.S. handling of this, and is reflecting how poorly it's going for the U.S. teams. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's true. And I think also the, I think the time of the year is, is playing a huge factor this time. For sure. Well. For sure. This like is usually flu yeah. season for a reason. Yeah. So uh, just a lot. Of, I mean, it's like everybody kind of knows. There are obvious answers as to why this isn't like working right now, but uh, the league's going to pretend like it's uh, the obvious answer isn't right there in front of them. So they're going to try and make these minor tweaks and, uh, We'll see how it all goes. But uh, according to Freeman on Thursday, here are some of the changes the league has uh, announced they're going to try and implement to handle the uh, the spread. NHL refs can still call. They're removing glass from behind the benches, uh, the plexiglass glass from behind the benches, I guess. So, you know, it's not one less thing that, I guess, particles could get called to. I don't fucking know. But uh, apparently, even though they're taking out that uh, stanchion or like the the panes of glass, the refs can still call a puck over the glass call, which I'm going to be honest with you, that 
we're, we're just asking for a really dumb call to come up here. Like, there's going to be some borderline delay game call that's going to happen that somebody's going to go back and look at and be like, oh, that would have hit the glass. That wouldn't have been a delay game. And it's going to cost a team uh, on the power play in one of these games. So that, like, that right there is just uh, a terrible result waiting to happen. And I'm excited that the league doesn't see that, like, in the, like, just doesn't see that about to happen somewhere down the line. But, uh, League is also, uh, they're going to ask teams to deploy portable air cleaners behind benches to help clean air and combat airborne viral transmission. Uh, Players and coaches can't show up more than one hour and 45 minutes before a game, and all meetings will be done virtually. And I've already heard that, or I've already seen that that is getting already kind of like lessened up a little bit. I think the hour and 45 minutes, players are already pushing back on that. And then they said, well, hour and 45 minutes, but more if it's related to game prep. So then, you know, well, why would somebody else be there for more than an hour and 45 minutes if they're not going to be getting ready for the game? So uh, teams being asked to utilize or create additional locker room space to adhere to six feet of social distancing. Um, so, like, these are these are all minor things that, in theory, should help limit some of it, but really, honestly, aren't going to do a damn thing. Like, honestly. I mean, like, it, it'll help. A little bit, but it's not going to be something where we're going to go back to zero positive tests around the league, or even a smaller number. But forty at a time, or ninety overall so far, about a fifth is uh, fifth away into the season is kind of nuts. Uh, and you, you've got to change something. It's or... not going well. Top players are missing games because of it, and it's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse, and honestly, like hockey is a sport too, where it, like it, it, it's just. If it's the spread is only gonna, I guess, get worse and worse because of just how close the hockey players always are to each other on the ice, just face off, lining up for face offs, battling for the puck, uh, in the crease, sitting on the bench when you're not playing. Like, there are just times they're not wearing masks when they're on the bench either. Like, at least in the NBA, a lot of those guys, not, not everybody, but a lot of those guys are wearing masks when they are off the court, and there are certain areas like I've noticed. Joel Embiid for the Sixers have had like this cool off area by himself somewhere. Like, I think that's great, but you don't really have that, that in a hockey arena, you only have so many slots where, where people can really go. And, and NBA also, you have the entire side court where you can spread out chairs and people aren't right on top of each other. Whereas in the NHL, you are piled on that bench. It is ass to ass. You are right next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's also, it's not helping that you have stuff like why the Capitals were fined recently where they were at the hotel room and all just going out and hanging out with each other anyway. And, it's, yeah. you know, potentially exposing themselves like. Yeah. See, like that's the thing. And like, that was the thing with the league where that's where I was complimenting them was they came down pretty fucking hard on that fine. And I think giving the suspensions, like I don't think Ovechkin, Orlov, Sansonov and Kostensov now are going to even risk that angle of it. Like that's what I was, but yeah like you have to honestly the best way to do this like the only thing that would effectively kind of stop the spread right now would be the pause the season but that's not going to happen like none of these sports leagues are going to do that they're not going to cancel the season they're not going to pause the season the nfl season was an atrocity that shouldn't have happened there were so many covid sicknesses throughout the season and they are going to play the big game tomorrow the super bowl Mm. Because I'm just going to say Super Bowl because I don't think they're going to find this podcast for saying the actual term of the championship. Uh, well, 
That makes one of us. So uh, let's. Uh, uh, Craig, are Goodell, you prepared for it? The big game. Goodell just Steve said that. Uh, so this is a Steve thing, not fly purple. The big game. You fly purple. I have no money. I will give you. I I will give you some shirts that I'm not using. That's about it. Hey Goodell. That's what I've got. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like just all these leagues. Just well, the NFL really, I think, set the, the president for everybody else because they. Well, yeah. MLB too. MLB just plowing through, but the NFL had some bad cases early on, one, yeah. and they just were like, well, we're just going to make it ha-. And they got more callous about it as the season went on, because early yeah. on they were like, okay, we're going to delay this to another week. And then they got to the point where like, well, you can play tomorrow, right? Here we go. Was, I was going to say, they're a one like day delay will be fine. Saturday. And, yeah, they'll yeah. get a positive test Saturday, and they'll be playing like Tuesday. I'm like, that's fine. It's, it's just COVID. Yes. It's fine. It's just yeah, killed so... 400 to 500,000 people. It's fine. It's whatever, dude. Yeah, you're being dramatic, so just calm down. Is what I gotta say. To that uh, at at the local level, uh, according to uh, Frank Saravalli, Philadelphia has spent uh, the Flyers have spent eleven million dollars upgrading each their HVAC system at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, team says it will now completely filter entire arena bowl air uh, every thirty minutes. Great. So, yeah, can, cool. can you guys Again. make a bubble for me to sit in during the game? Because that's <laughs> the only way I'm going. Like, I'm yeah, sorry, like Flyers, a... but unless you can make a private bubble boy experience for me. I do not plan on going. Yeah. Isn't that also, isn't that something they can just like say and nobody actually knows <laughs> that, that oh, might yeah, be a yeah. too conspiracy theory. Right. Like just being like, I don't know. What's a big number people believe 11 million sounds like a lot. It sounds yeah. like Let's a lot of money. Did it. It. it was a lot of money. Also, I don't even know if there was like a video of, uh, they don't always get like giddy about like crazy shit they do. It's like, hey, we added three seats to the upper bowl, and then they always show like <laughs> one guy that just does it, like hates his fucking life putting those seats in. So like, sure, we've had some like some like Tony from South Philly just being pissed about what his life's become, just installing an HVAC system somewhere, like on video somewhere. Well, but I instead... mean, Tony from South Philly might be pissed off about installing that HVAC system, but. Tony from South Philly, that might be his job soon because it ain't going to be you in the what? NHL oh much God. longer. That I, I, for clarification purposes, I did not even try and set up that segue. I was going for a generic Italian name, and I landed on Anthony from South Philly, and now we are. Now anyway, we're talking we're about yeah. Let's talk Tony about Anthony the Angelo, Anthony the Angelo <laughs> himself, Tony D'Angelo for your. Your chump of the week over here. Yeah. What? So let's an let's, let's talk about asshole. This guy is what a just gigantic asshole Tony D'Angelo is. I'm gonna try and summarize the whole situation. And again, we're not gonna talk about. We're, we're gonna talk about what Steve and I know about this entire situation, and uh, it stems from. Long story short, Tony D'Angelo got waived last weekend. It came from uh, apparently there was a. Uh, all nice communication between D'Angelo and Georgiev, Alexander Georgiev, that resulted in the Rangers losing the Penguins on Saturday. I went back and I watched the play, and uh, a puck went behind the net. D'Angelo was skating behind the net to pick up the puck, and Georgiev swung in, knocked the puck uh, the other direction behind D'Angelo. The Penguins held onto the puck and then scored like 10 seconds later. Also on the play, it looked like D'Angelo was screening Georgiev from about like 15 feet out, but I digress. Uh, the whole thing was... A, yeah, also about defense. Uh, apparently, after the game, D'Angelo and Georgiev got into uh, uh, like a mix-up. There was some kind of like physical altercation outside of the locker room, and then it led to a situation where apparently just the Rangers had had enough of them. Uh, he may or may not have called 
Georgia, the commie. Oh, yeah, another name. Yeah, that's again. You may have called uh, him a communist of some sort. Uh, who's yeah, to say? I don't know. So did that act, do we have a I have, confirmation? Or I have it? no idea if there's confirmation on yeah. this. But this is a podcast where we are just talking about information we have heard. This is nothing <laughs> confirmed. This is not news. No. This is a discussion no, the... about stuff we have heard. Well, so, I mean, the only thing I'm really going to say about it is uh, I don't... Look, everybody deserves a second chance. This isn't his second chance. Uh, this, this is his isn't... 25th chance. This is his 25th chance, and he also hasn't shown any changes Remorse? in personality or... Yep, there you go. Any Any kind of consideration that maybe he is the asshole here or he is the problem <laughs> am and i the bad guy ins- yeah exactly and i'm only insinuating or not insinuating i'm saying he is the bad guy because more likely than not he is the bad guy and let me run running through his rap sheet and then also another situation that i've been may have been leading up to this uh so throughout tony d'angelo's career um he was a guy that before he even got drafted by lightning in 2014 he had issues. Uh, he was suspended twice in the OHL for using slurs the league was trying to remove. So not, you know, not just bad words, but apparently the league was really focused and honing in on racist, homophobic, and sexist language. Which really shows so, you it's a shitty thing he said. We don't yeah, know so exactly been, what he said, but yeah. it must have been pretty you shitty. You know what players get away with. And we've seen other situations where guys like, I mean, like they almost didn't suspend Andrew Shaw a couple years ago for saying a homophobic slur. And there is that whole thing with Wayne Simmons and Sean Avery years ago where Wayne Simmons looked like he said a homophobic slur. And I don't think anything even came of it. So the DOHL, yeah, like if it was this happening years ago, who knows what he said. Uh, But then drafted by Tampa Bay, traded to Arizona. And with Arizona, received a three-game suspension for physical abuse of officials. Uh, And then he came to the Rangers. And we've seen... I mean, we've seen his He's been uh, an asshole. actions on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, like he started the Watch Your Tone podcast, which uh, that's that what a name. You go what a look name. at that. Yeah, you go and side with that, and then all of his, uh, you know, COVID hoax tweets or tweets that are you can tell he's definitely trying to get a rise out of uh, people that don't agree with him politically. And again, uh, you know, political stances are fine and everything, but he's been a complete fucking asshole about it, and apparently has also been bleeding into his interactions with the teammates on his team. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have come out and said that, oh, well, you know, he's a love guy in the locker room or whatever recently. Or, like, his teammates don't hate him. But, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of moving around. Drafted by the Lightning in 2014, got suspended in junior, has been traded three times. He's about to be traded. No, he's about to be traded a third time. He's already been traded twice. If they're lucky. He's going to be with his fourth (laughs) different team. Damn trade. Yeah. Which, if I'm an NHL team, I am not touching this guy remotely like i was gonna say a 10 foot pole but you don't want to be 10 feet from him at all like you don't want to touch this guy from orbit with a satellite like in any potential way you do not want to be associated with this and i know some asshole nhl team that i am just praying is not the nhl hockey flyers i I, some asshole team is gonna say you know what we can turn him around we can change him because this guy has offensive talent. He sure as shit does not have defensive talent, but he does have some offensive talent. Great for him. Bravo. Some team is going to be stupid enough to say, let's take a chance on Tony D'Angelo. Some team is, yeah. I, I do think they are. I think some team and either... He may not get an NHL deal, but I think next year he's going to get some kind of low-risk, 
high reward kind of deal where like he might sign an, uh, a two-way deal with some team and start out in the AHL. And then if he spends like two weeks not punching teammates or yelling at him or something, then they're going to be like, oh, he's been good. And then they'll call him up and he'll be like a third pair offensive guy for some random team out there. But honestly, his skill set, if you were to remove his entire personality and we're talking about what you would just get on the ice from him and what he could bring to the team, the Flyers don't need him right now either. Like, if you were just looking for defense from the ad and you even wanted to add him, it wouldn't make sense to add him. I've been so We've been talking about how they need a right-handed guy, which he is, uh, but he, he is the exact opposite of what they truly need. They have guys on the blue line that are play two-way games, but they lean more towards looking to generate offense and necessarily falling back and shutting things down defensively. And he is a guy that is all go- all production and nothing defensively. He gets fucking worked over in the defensive zone nonstop. He's already been walked two or three times this year, and everybody saw the Ajo goal last year where he got walked in the playoffs. Like, the guy routinely just gets worked in one-on-one situations in the defensive zone. So skill-wise, no. But there's enough offensive upside there he can go on to be a reliable third-pair guy. Not reliable, but a third-pair guy somewhere. And some team is going to need that. Uh, And honestly, the league is full assholes. I mean, like, we've seen... Sure. Like... But and like, he, keep it. He initiated like, this. And keep it, it to yourself, any... right? Like, no, no, no. no, no. I, I think I there is an. Ex- no, I, I know you agree with me, but I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, like, yeah, there, yeah. there is an acceptable level of asshole. I think that you can be, that you can present to the public, and that's fine. People will just ignore it or go on with their day. And he went way above and beyond that socially acceptable level of asshole to something unfathomable yeah. that would get him now, yeah. waved and suspended. Like, and. Again, it, it did come down to a locker room thing because he was an asshole in public for quite a bit before that. And yeah. he wasn't popular, but he also was like, it, it sucks the world we live in where basically like you can be an asshole like him and do the stuff he did. But if you're good at hockey, they will still find a way to get away with it. But he not only was not that good defensively in hockey, uh, again, good offensively, I'll give him that, but not good defensively. And on top of that, just did shitty things and kept being a shitty person, which is just a recipe for disaster. Like he could have, I, I, I tweeted this out. Like you can, all you have to do to be a suspect, a successful millionaire athlete here is just not be an asshole. And he couldn't even do that. Yeah. Nope. Uh, honestly, I, I think the big thing is like him, him doing this shit with Georgiev, uh, if it wasn't the fact of like apparently it's rumored, you know he was, it, it was because of the miscommunication. Then he called him, you know, whatever. Uh, I think if it was just him being shared to teammate and it didn't have anything to do with a guy being from Russia or some of the other, I mean the other thing that's been thrown out there. And to be honest with you, I'm only going to believe it because there's a lot of there's a lot of oddities with the situation. Apparently Tony D'Angelo took Keandre Miller's the puck he got from scoring his first goal in the league and then didn't give it back to him eventually, like right away or was trying to take it. Or that's where the, a lot of confusion is because uh, there's video of Keontre Miller scores, the defenseman for uh, the rookie defenseman for the Rangers scored a goal, his first goal in the league. And there's video of DeAndre also on the ice and you can see him going to the net and get the puck. And like, that's not enough to say, you know, obviously DeAndre stole the puck and he's the one that kept it from Miller. And obviously yeah. it wasn't. It- let me make this very clear. But, Let me make this very clear. This is not an accusation. 
Uh, this is all speculation based on uh, facts that have been pieced together elsewhere. Just like this is pure speculation. This is in no way. Yeah, this us. is mine. Yeah. This is all I just want to make this, this is clear. Craig Forsyth. Well, yeah. it's not about it being you. This is just a this is just us having a discussion, uh, a, a speculation discussion based on stuff that has been put out there. Okay, that is all this is. This oh, is okay. not an accusation yeah. of him doing anything. But, you know, there are some weird things that happened here. So, again, so him taking the puck out of that. And, again, that alone is not that big of a deal because every single time a player scores their first goal in the NHL, you see players just skating towards the net to get the puck. Right, because a good teammate goes and gets the puck and says, here you go, buddy, it's your first goal puck, and you can go keep this at home and put it in a case somewhere, and it's going to look awesome. And you can take a picture with it after the game, smiling. Now, I think the thing is, is there was no... From there, it gets a little hairy because... That picture does not exist. Right. Or at least it was never posted anywhere if it does. Like, the the New York Rangers, who always... Every team, when their guy scores, when their rookie scores their first goal, they will post a picture of that saying, congrats to this player for scoring his first NHL goal. Woohoo! So after he picked up the puck, too, there was nothing that kind of proved that he gave it to the athletic trainer, which is, like, that always happens, too. They always... Wrap the tape around it, right on it, and then you're right. They had the post game first goal pick, and they post on Twitter, and everybody does it, everybody. But coincidentally, they don't have one for Keandre Miller the night of, you know, D'Angelo may have possibly taken this puck. So that is weird. That is weird that just coincidentally across the entire league, just one of the few times that a team does not post the first career goal of a player is also the time that you know. It's in question that a player may have taken the puck. And then the only other thing that makes it worse from that point for me is I think the Rangers PR came out and said something like, oh, well, we don't take pictures of first goals, first NHL goals for players in a loss. And then even this year, there are examples of uh, one or two other players that scored goals and losses, and then they took the first goal pick with them and put it on Twitter. So the fact that the, the, NA, like the Rangers PR or their Twitter or whatever lied and then immediately that lie got called out within minutes that that means you didn't like you just that was just a blatant lie like that was a we got to think of something to shut these people up and you didn't even go and look for yourself because it got disproved in a matter of seconds so i think i think there was something there i don't know i think keandre miller ultimately got the puck but like just it was kind of fishy everything that went around like went on around that whole incident but you do shit like that you're gonna piss off your teammates like there was no fucking reason for him to theoretically go and possibly keep that puck and never give it to his teammate like what's the reason of fucking doing that i'm not gonna get into i'm not gonna get into anything else but uh there's something about keandre miller's appearance that makes him a unique nhl player and uh and keandre miller is a guy who has not had an easy time in his very very brief time associated with the new york rangers with an nhl team because when he came in he had that infamous introductory zoom call with the fan base where somebody went in and they put racial slurs all over that call and you know which one i'm talking about i'm not going to even allude to it but they put it all over the chat on that and it was just disgusting and it's one of those things that as hockey fans, we often like to say that is not who we are, that is not what we're about, but there is, unfortunately, uh, still an undercurrent of racism with hockey fans that is just 
atrocious and disgusting and i don't want to be associated with that and i know you don't and most of the everybody nah. we know is not but there is definitely a a subsection that is just disgusting and wants to you know keep this as a uh, a nice white sport which those people are just pieces of human garbage and it should just go into a dark hole and never come out but it's i, yeah. I it just the way this kid has been has been treated in his short time in the NHL has been just, just horrific. And the fact that he wouldn't get his first puck or at least not get to take that picture is very shitty to me because I, I think that we, number one, we said many times on this podcast, we need to celebrate diversity in this game. We need to encourage diversity in this game. This needs to be a, this game needs to move into the 21st century, right? Like it needs to evolve and grow. And we need people like Keandre Miller to, to keep that growth going. And I, I just don't want to see any things like that. And we should be celebrating when he scores his goals and his first goal is something special. And it is black history month right now. And we should be celebrating Keandre Miller. We should be celebrating Wayne Simmons. So many great black hockey players. Not nearly enough. We did a, a fly properly under quarantine where we talked about our favorite black flyers. And oh, yeah. It was a pretty damn short list and an embarrassing short list. Yeah, it was like 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I don't know if that's, it's not really a reflection of the flyers, but more a reflection of the that NHL the and league. the lack of diversity yeah. throughout the league and its history. There just hasn't been much. And, the diversity we have now is great. That is, This is great. It needs to continue like that. But we need to stop this kind of shit. We need to not let, you know, let this kind of shit happen in the game anymore. It just is insane. Yeah. Now, we don't know he... if that's why Keandre Miller doesn't have his first puck picture. Yeah, again. like And the first puck picture, I guess I'm like, it's really the, like, I don't know. I, I think I'm reading too much into, like, I mean, we know the kind of person it seems like Tony D'Angelo is. Uh, so uh, I, I don't, I didn't see any joking around or him trying to get the uh, Alexis Lafreniere puck uh, that happened in overtime, and that was a overtime goal. So he may not be in the ice for it, but if he wanted to go and take another teammate's puck as a joke, he could have just gone and gotten that puck in the net afterwards and fucked with Lafreniere like that. But we didn't hear anything about that, and uh, we had a guy who, you know, again another pretty big coincidence that. You know, his def- uh, you know, black defensive and teammate is a guy who he's trying to keep the puck from. I don't know. Like that seems a little fishy to me. But again, that's a whole that's a whole fucking thing we're not even gonna touch right now. But I I have a bad feeling somebody else is gonna give him another chance in this league. If not, it's probably the KHL. <laughs> I mean, that's usually where they end up going. Yeah. Now, D'Angelo is again he is a young guy and he's been given so many chances. I don't know if you've seen the, was it a, a Comcast Sportsnet video uh, on oh D'Angelo? God, of his from, dad or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. From when he was suspended in the first place where his dad comes yeah. out and his dad is a South Philly guy, which is why this was on a local presentation. I think yeah. our, our boy, John Boric did that one. Nice. Everybody's yeah, favorite. Deep, yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ. I'd love to hear his opinion on Tony. Yeah. I'm sure it's a great opinion. I'm sure he's outraged. You know, we can talk about that on what's his what's his yeah. site? Jocksmack? I don't know. Oh my god, Jocksmack. Jock Shock or Jocks, like No, that, I think yeah. it's Jocksmack, yeah. 
And okay, yeah. oh my god, but like his dad's like, oh, you know, I would have used that word in like a, a brawl. It's just how I was raised. And I don't, I, yeah. I, I feel like you can make some excuses for a guy who was raised in like 70s South Philly for having a racist or homophobic thing or something, but there is no excuse for, uh, and it's, uh, by the way, it's a flimsy excuse. Nobody should be using that kind of language. Nobody should be talking to other human beings like that. Yeah. But at least there's a, a structure of an excuse, a skeleton to that excuse. There yeah, is I know what you mean. absolutely no reason for a young guy like D'Angelo to be using that. And I mean, you, I can obviously look at his role model for why I mean, he yeah. said what he said that got him suspended. But that kind of stuff, like, you should know better. I'm sorry, you should be a grown-ass like, man. Yeah. And the environment you've grown up in, which I, I think given his political views, he clearly does not agree with uh, not saying certain things that you're not supposed to say. Uh, it, it's, you should know better. You shouldn't say that kind of stuff like that. And I, this guy has been given every opportunity. I'm so embarrassed that, so D'Angelo was raised in South Jersey, but his dad is from South Philly. And I'm embarrassed, but also not completely surprised that, <laughs> He'd be talking about that yeah. kind of language being used in South Philly because, unfortunately, certain parts of South Philly have not uh, matured with the times to to not really use that kind of talk anymore. And it's it's often horrifying to me as somebody who lives in South Philly. It, it, it's just it, I've seen yeah. too much. I've heard entirely too much. And it's just it's always appalling. And yeah, I, I just D'Angelo, there's no excuse. There is no excuse for his behavior. And I would va- I would think somebody would value an NHL career more than feeling the need to be a just garbage person. And he is not one of those guys. So whatever happened in that locker room, whatever the altercation was that got him into his current predicament, it sounds like he really had it coming to him. Uh, and it sounds like it's not surprising to a number of people. And this is a guy who was so desperate to get back on Twitter to share his... <laughs> this is, again an alleged thing. This is not a confirmed thing by any means, but this is a guy who's so desperate to get back into the Twitter conversation to, uh, share his, his terrible opinions that he, no, this is again, a spe- no. everybody speculates that he has a burner account. I NYR fan nine, two, eight, three, seven, three, which is hilarious in and of itself. There is a lot of speculation that that is his burner Twitter account. And that is sad and very, very funny, especially that yeah. reaction that account's reaction to the news that he got waived was like, what? <laughs> I think, I think that's, I think that's, uh, I don't think that's a real account. It, it's going to be, it would be fucking hilarious if it is though. But I think that's just somebody that's, uh, that's just nailing the, uh, somebody that really loves acting. Anthony D'Angelo. <laughs> yeah. I guess to an extent I do get the, like if you grew up in South Philly, it's not the best situation to grow up in or whatever. But I think like, he can't use that as an excuse. But he, he didn't even if grow up in it. Suspended. His dad grew up in it. Right. So, like, I think even for him, like, if it would have been a thing where if he had gotten, we'll even say for a sake of argument, if he had had those two suspensions in the OHL and then, like, since then had changed the, like, had not had any other instances of anything and actually show that he actually changed his mentalities towards stuff. Okay, that's somebody that wants to change and deserves another chance. This dude's been fucking doing the same old shit everywhere he's gone. And it's been a piece of shit to everybody, it sounds like. And instead of just being like, you know what, I need to change. 
everybody's like, well, you know, maybe it wasn't all on him. No, it's all on him. I mean, he keeps going every new situation. He's doubled down every chance he's got. He's not holding himself accountable. Yeah, like, if he stops being a fucking asshole and shuts his mouth up over some other stuff, like, there's plenty of stuff people aren't telling him in the locker room. Obviously, nobody liked him in that locker room because it wasn't even Georgiev, apparently, that punched him. Apparently, the story goes it's Chris Kreider. Somebody else stepped in and punched him. So, like, that's not a discussion that, like... I, I don't know. I don't. I. I don't think there's anybody on the Flyers where if somebody else was getting it, like if two players are mixing it up, and somebody on the Flyers got punched in the face, where everybody'd be like, you know what? Yeah, it's not that bad. Like maybe as a joke because of how bad they are on the ice, but not because we actually hate them as a person. Like, and I think that's the point it got with the Rangers, where it was like some people were starting to like Kreider because apparently he punched the angel in the face, which I don't know. Like, it, it just seems like he's not a guy that's good for the locker room. No. Not necessarily a good team guy. No. Certainly not like the team on The Bachelor is. There we go. There it is. And uh, just an FYI, folks, no no around the league this week. Uh, this is the, the final segment here, so enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. I mean, uh, we'll get right into it. So, I think we've uh, we gone around the cocktail. league plenty already. Yeah, we have. Uh, we opened up with a cocktail party where Matt Clippy Jones addresses all the bullying going on in the house. I see, you're, about... I see you're making a reality show. Would you like some assistance? <laughs> uh, he talks to Anna about the escort rumor. Uh, she started and she decides to send her home. Uh, Ryan tells Matt that drunk Queen Vicky called her a hoe. Ooh. Uh, when Matt asked Vicky about it, she insists that it was okay given the context. I highly doubt that. She was uh, in a different area, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's just a ludicrous reference. Uh, Matt asks, what context is it okay to call someone a hoe? And she looks confused. So immediately already giving up on her excuse. That's uh, farming. That's pretty impressive. Get called out right away. Uh, at the rose ceremony, uh, DQ Vicky is crying a lot. That sounds about right for a drunk, drunk queen. I mean, she does she's not... away from her dairy queen, so that's what's going to happen. <laughs> she, uh, she de- a blizzard of tears. Uh, she does not receive a rose, and on her way out... She blizzard of tears is my favorite Ozzy album. That she feels sorry for him. Uh, the contestants that received roses write off a series of toasts celebrating Vicky's departure. Vicky sounds like the Tony D'Angelo of the Bachelorette uh, house right now, apparently. <laughs> Uh, for the first one-on-one date, Rachel and Matt go to the hotel gift shop and meet a celebrity stylist. Rachel tries on a bunch of clothes. ABC buys all of them for her, and she goes back to the mansion sporting a dozen bags of clothes. At dinner, Matt and Rachel both confess that they've never been in love, and minutes later say they're falling in love. <laughs> so oh, they... wow. <laughs> I see you're Look, falling I'm in love. Would you like some assistance? <laughs> Look, I've never been in love before, but I think this is it. I can't, I've i never had these feelings, but maybe? Who knows? I Baby, know. I've never been to Flavortown. Uh, you want to go with me? <laughs> uh, on the group date, the contestants are asked to do a bunch of farm chores for some farmer located in one of the many soggy valleys that surrounds the city of coleslaw sandwiches and too many bridges. That's a, well, of course they're soggy valleys because they're covered in coleslaw. <laughs> yeah, That's why the fries are always so soggy on their shitty sandwiches. <laughs> Matt keeps Matt keeps claiming to be a country boy from Raleigh, which he apparently doesn't realize makes no sense. Uh, the contestants are tasked with picking up wheelbarrows, wheelbarrows of manure and moving them, and Matt sneaks off to a barn with Piper to make out. Oh, that's that's good. That's good work if he can get it. So uh, <laughs> next is a one-on-one date uh, with the, I think Raleigh's the South. I would consider that a kid from the South. I don't know. It's not. But is it the country? 
it's not because there's the a difference between a southern boy and a country southern, boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I would say I'm southern and not country. I think that would be that is a uh, one way to put you're it. You're definitely not country, speaking, Craig. I am definitely not country. Thank God you're not speaking, a country boy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, who knows? Uh, next, well, yeah, okay. Next is a one-on-one date where Matt and Kit make dinner in some undisclosed location, and Kit dives deep into the troubles of growing up with a rich and successful mother. We're live from the Patch Bunker where Matt and Kit are making dinner. I don't. She was never around. She just made seven figures and bought me everything I wanted. So I don't know. I just I never really got love from her. She was very cold, but I owned a yeah. car at age twelve. It was very cold, but the you know the heating in the mansion was very nice, and I stayed warm those long nights. She went out and bought me all these nice things. Uh, she mentions that there were many uh, golden Bentleys and red carpets. Yeah, that's got to be a real drag. I'm so sorry I had to live through that. Uh, MJ and Jessania, 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 yeah, Jessania are asked to visit Matt. Just call her Jess. Just call her Jess. Jess, yeah, Jazzy Jess. Uh, MJ and Jazzy Jess uh, are asked to visit Matt ahead of the road ceremony. The two are having some sort of spat, and Matt wants to get to the bottom of it. ABC leaves us with a to be continued. Oh dun, shit! Dun, what, are these, what are these kids gonna? What are M and MJ gonna get into? What could but, possibly uh, happen with MJ and Jazzy? One note from me in here to uh, a bit of a side note, but during the episode there was a new casting call ad asking for seniors to sign up to be on The Bachelor. Guess we'll be seeing some dates involving reruns of Blue Bloods, Whitefish Sandwiches, and Early Bird Specials very soon. <laughs> my Amigos. If My Amigos is offensive, that's my brother. I did not say it. So there you go. That is the Batch update. Shouldn't the Bachelor retiree, com- retired community take place on like CBS or something? <laughs> the show should be played CBS 4.30 on Monday. 4.30 p.m. on Mondays. There you go. Boom. The Bachelor the, uh, from the Blue Lagoon Retirement Home. <laughs> TV Land, I think, is the oldest TV channel, right? Or they, or did they kind of pivot from that? I would say oh, it's like, always been C- CBS is the home of old people. More than TV Land, I thought for a while TV Land was like you know what, whatever show was on in the sixties, we're just throwing that well, off. Oh, and then like wait, recently, they've been like Craig, King of Queens. Do you expect seniors? Up. Do you expect senior citizens to find TV Land on the TV listings as opposed yeah. to CBS, which is one of the main three channels from when they were two years old? I don't expect old people to know how their TVs work, but I expect old people to have somebody in their life that knows them enough to come over and uh, point out pal. the TV land channel pal. to them. No, CBS is for seniors. Come on. <laughs> That's their new slogan, by the way. CBS. Buddy, come on. Hey, CBS is for seniors. CBS is <laughs> for seniors for a long time. Hey, is. buddy. CBS is for seniors. That's their slogan. <laughs> CBS, old's welcome. <laughs> uh yeah that's it though that's uh that's it no we're not going around the league because the league league. is filled with COVID 19 so a lot of COVID, and also the outline it was just a complete mess this week and uh let let us make a hasty exit and we do apologize for this being late but we're actually sorry not sorry because we were too busy we had we had some real shit going on (laughs) we did have some real shit god God did not want this podcast he recorded it's true i had massive internet issues and you had some bullshit going on yeah yeah god came down and said no fly properly this week, boys. And we said, hey, you guys do this yes, fly properly. Uh, not this week. <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon after Steve has walked a couple miles in the city to get tacos. <laughs> yeah, I gotta I gotta take a wicked piss. I've been holding on this thing for like half an hour now, so let's wrap this up. I'm gonna be writing uh I got the I'm doing a recap tomorrow. <laughs> I, I got the prospect report. That was it. All right, fine. Yeah, you got that going on. Okay. I got 
I got the uh, I got the press report on Monday. I'm doing the recap on Sunday. We'll have the fly. We'll have the next fly pass on time next week. And I was gonna do some kind of film tape on uh, the defense, which will I'll I'll figure that over the next week. So all right, you can follow Craig yeah. at tw- at Sports or Bad on Twitter. You can follow me at Fly Purpley or at SD Bomb for your hockey <laughs> needs. Make it fly purpley. Wicked piss. Oh my god. Follow BSH my Radio. My issues. Yeah. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Check out the Flyers forecast early in the week where we will run down the Flyers week ahead. And that is all we got, and it was plenty. Folks, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Well, your damn mask. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. We all need the right tools for success. A painter needs their perfect brushes, and a climber needs to be able to rely on their harness. And for your work, you need to stay connected. With Slack, teams can help you work better. Slack is a productivity platform that connects all your team members together instantly. It's built to help your team with a host of features like huddles for quick check-ins and clips for recording and sharing video. Slack also makes it easy to search and find the right information you need. You can even integrate the apps you use in your normal workflow, like your calendar or product management tools, so you stay focused on the work that matters and get more done. Learn more at slack.com slash productivity. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple, Spotify, YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Go Astros.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge? It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.